Today we're going to look at being with Jesus, being with Jesus, John chapter 17, verse 24. I think most of you in here probably figured out for yourselves that this is my favourite verse in the scripture. I quote it so often. Um, It's not easy to come out with that statement because there are many verses of scripture that I'm particularly fond of, but this one is at the top of the list. John 17, verse 24, where Jesus said, Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may all, uh, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Being with Jesus. This is the final petition of the Lord Jesus Christ in his high priestly prayer to his Father, what we see here in verse 24. The first thing that can be seen is Jesus declaring his will to his Father. The Greek word thelo, thelo can be found 200 times, sorry, 210 times in the King James Version of the Bible, and on 76% of those times, Thelo is translated will, and on the other occasions, it is translated desire, desirous, and various other words. But three quarters of the times, Thelo is translated will. Will is a much stronger word than desire, And it emphasises the determination of the Son of God to have all he's redeemed with him where he is. When you look at those words of Jesus in verse 24, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am. You can be absolutely certain that every single person who has been given to Jesus by his Father will be with him in heaven. It is inconceivable that even one of his redeemed will not be with him where he is. If you belong to Jesus, you will be with Jesus where he is. No ifs or buts. This is the reality. And praise God for that. The Lord Jesus Christ was speaking with the authority of God when he said those words. As such, his will did not in any way clash with the will of his Father. His will was most certainly in perfect harmony with the will of his Father. We can see that to be the case in the heavenly vision of the Apostle John, when John saw a multitude standing before the throne of God, worshipping not just the Son, but Father and Son. This is the heavenly scene that the the Apostle John saw. As John said in Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb 
clothed with white robes and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. The heavenly scene with both Father and Son in heaven receiving worship from the redeemed should tell you that the will of the Lord Jesus Christ was in perfect harmony with the will of his Father. Both of them receiving praise and adoration from the multitude in heaven. There was, however, a time when Jesus did pray to his Father, saying, Not my will, but thine be done. And that was in the Garden of Gethsemane, shortly after this high priestly prayer. As it is written in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, Jesus said, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. We need to remember that when the incarnate Son of God prayed, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me, he alone, and not the Father, nor the Holy Spirit, would drink that cup. And clearly, it was his will, if at all possible, for that cup to be removed from him. I think even we can understand that that the Lord Jesus Christ had no great desire to drink that cup. With the cross just hours away, the sinless Son of God was recoiling at the prospect of having laid upon him the iniquities of all that his Father had given him. It must have been terrible, way beyond our imagination, for the Lord Jesus Christ to bear in his holy body the sins of all who belong to him. At the cross, all that is horrible, unspeakable, hellish and damnable in the guilt of the elect rose up to meet him and he shrank from that contact. Even so, Jesus said, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And ultimately, It was his will as well. As awful as it was to lay down his life as the only acceptable sacrifice for sin. This is not something that was sprung upon him. Jesus came into the world knowing full well that he would lay down his life for his elect. He is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. It was written in prophecy concerning Jesus that he was wounded for our transgressions, that he was bruised for our iniquities. It's written in prophecy that the Lord would lay upon him our iniquities. And John the Baptist, when he heralded the coming of Jesus, what did he say? Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus came down from heaven, he took upon himself flesh, and he came into this world as the sacrificial lamb. 
Coming back to John chapter 17 and verse 24, the Lord Jesus Christ prayed, Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. You see that there, that they may behold my glory. If anyone else said those words, it would be the height of arrogance. Can you imagine that? You praying that um, for people to be with you in heaven to behold your glory. You wouldn't say that unless you were completely arrogant. But when those words proceed from the mouth of Jesus, it's different, isn't it? Because he is the Son of God. And surely it is the chief desire of all that the Father has given to Jesus to do just that, to be with Jesus where he is and to behold his glory. That is your chief desire if you are a Christian, to behold the glory of the risen Lord. That was clearly the desire of King David, to be with Jesus and to behold his glory. In Psalm 27 and verse 4, David said, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Those words have a present application. When you come to the house of the Lord, or to church, you come to study the scriptures, you come to sing the hymns, maybe you come for the fellowship, maybe you come for the cup of tea and the cake. But most of all, if you're a Christian, you come to the house of the Lord, you come to church to draw near to Jesus, to see him by faith and to worship him. But also those words of David express the heart's desire to be with Jesus where he is in heavenly glory and to behold his glory. It has that future application as well as a present application. As Spurgeon said, we pine for our father's house above, the home of our souls. What a sight will be when every faithful follower of Jesus shall behold the king in his beauty. Another person who looked forward to beholding the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ was the hymn writer Fanny Crosby. She wrote, Great things he have taught us, great things he have done, and great our rejoicing through Jesus the Son. But purer and higher and greater will be our wonder, our transport, when Jesus we see. Fanny Crosby was blind and she was thankful to God for her blindness. Can you imagine that? Being being blind and thanking God for your blindness. Apparently, she said, it seemed intended by the blessed providence of God that I should be blind all my life and I thank him 
for the dispensation. If perfect earthly sight were offered me tomorrow, I would not accept it. I might not have sung hymns to the praise of God if I had been distracted by the beautiful and interesting things about me. She also once said, When I get to heaven, the first face that shall ever gladden my sight will be that of my Saviour. It must surely be the greatest desire of not just King David or Fanny Crosby, but all who have been given to Jesus by his Father to see him face to face and to behold his glory, his beauty. And if you are trusting in Jesus, you most certainly will see him and you will behold his glory. We have a promise from Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8 where he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Let's be very clear about this. To see God is to see Jesus. That promise is confirmed in the last chapter of the Bible where it is written in Revelation chapter 22 verses 3 and 4. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face. The Lord Jesus Christ gives the reason why it is his will that those whom his Father has given him be with him where he is to behold his glory. The reason is given at the end of John chapter 17 and verse 24 where Jesus said for or because thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. That's the reason that Jesus gave. Why it was his will that they whom his father had given him be with him where he is to behold his glory because His father loved him before the foundation of the world. If I asked you why God has given you to the Lord Jesus Christ to be with him where he is to behold his glory. If I asked you why, you might well answer, well, because God loves me. And you wouldn't be wrong, would you? You wouldn't be wrong in saying that. If you are a Christian, God has loved you and he has loved you throughout all eternity. But that's not what we read in verse 24. The reason given to us at the end of verse 24 takes the spotlight off us and puts it on the Son of God where it belongs What this amazing statement tells us is that the gospel of Christ is ultimately about Jesus. It is about God's love for his son. It is about God's desire for his son to be glorified. It's all about Jesus and his glory. We need to realise this as Christians, that it's all about Jesus. We'd be the most miserable of creatures if our focus is on ourselves. 
Far better to have our focus on Jesus and his glory. Finally, people have various notions about heaven and why they might want to go there. There are some who want to catch up with friends who have died or be reunited with family. That gets a bit complicated. I don't want to go into it now, but, you know, if you come from generation after generation of believing people, of Christians, will you will you be reunited with your, your granny, your great-granny, and your great-great-granny, and all the rest of them? I don't know. It gets a bit complicated, doesn't it? Or what if you've been married a few times? We've got that example in the scriptures. Um, the woman who was married to seven times, I think it was. Would she be reunited with all her husbands? But anyway, people have got their various ideas of what heaven's going to be like. Perhaps you're going to meet up with your, 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 your pet who's died. Or just have a good party. A real good time. Doing what you want. But as we've considered, the one thing that King David desired was to behold the beauty of the Lord. And the blind hymn writer Fanny Crosby said, When I get to heaven, the first face that shall ever gladden my sight will be that of my Saviour. Then there was the Apostle Paul, who in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8 said, We are confident Yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Upon the wall in my study are the words, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see and I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. I've got that on the wall. It's been there for quite some time now. In the study. Those words cheer my heart no end. And may each one of you rejoice in your spirit at the prospect of being with Jesus where he is, beholding his glory, having first trusted in him as your Saviour from sin and your Lord. Amen.